How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by Harrison Fagan today. He is he is out once again. He is at the Lakers or the Defenders game tonight. Uh, before we get to the rest of the show, and it's a good one, we talked to uh, the, the Locked On Lakers host, Sean Woodley, uh, about the Lakers and the, and the, and the uh, Raptors because they're about to play later tonight. Uh, before we get to that, though, make sure you're so following the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. And make sure you're using the promo code LOLakers for both Mac Weldon and SeatGeek to get your uh, your discount and rebate there. Uh, again, fun show today. Basically, he had some some background on the, on the Lou Williams. Uh, uh, experience up there in, in Toronto, and he wanted to ask why Lou Williams is so much better this year. So I gave my thoughts there. Um, he had, you know, I, I had to ask him, or I wanted to ask him uh, about, you know, Bismack Biombo because he was connected to the Lakers for a little bit. Um, I had to ask about DeMar DeRozan because a lot of fans out here wanted DeMar DeRozan, uh, and he's played well this season. So really fun conversation there. Uh, enjoy this one, and then we will be back at it tomorrow. Uh, you know, to to wrap up. Well, no, I believe tomorrow is going to be Friday. Yeah, tomorrow's Friday, so we'll be back after the weekend. So enjoy your weekend. Uh, right after the show again. It's this is a fun conversation. Nice, you know, free flowing conversation about both teams. And have a good one. Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm doing. I'm I'm doing pretty good. Sean, how how are you holding up? I'm doing all right. The Raptors are on a four-game winning streak now. Things are kind of coming together for them. And the Lakers, man, they're uh, they're actually fun to watch now. So I've enjoyed that, uh, you know, to close out the, the nights for me on the, on the West Coast time. Um, I guess my first question to you is just a broad general one. Is like, how is it having a real NBA team to watch again? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the last couple of years, somehow the Lakers – managed to fail to meet expectations despite <laughs> having zero expectations the last two years <laughs> like, you know we, we, both years you kind of went into it thinking all right the the hope is to tank for for a high draft pick and then uh hope that the season doesn't completely stink the whole way and both years it completely stunk the whole way through so this year <laughs> this year is kind of nice to you know we walked into this 
season, I kind of expected, you know, maybe, you know, 27-ish wins or so, you know, and that was on the high end of what I might have predicted. And here they are, you know, more than a third of the way to that somehow, and I, I have no idea how, how it's happening. I have no idea how Luke Walton has been able to do this so quickly. Yeah, that's kind of the, the thing that stands out to me is Luke Walton and how it just – like from I mean obviously I'm not close to the team or anything and but from afar it really just seems like things are happier there like how different is the dynamic between what Luke Walton's been able to do compared to like the Byron Scott Kobe era that ended last season and it was just like you know it seemed just poisonous there for the entire season well it it turns out having actual strategy beyond yelling at kids to man up is helpful in the NBA. <laughs> you wouldn't think it, but but that it turns out that that's the kind of thing that you know actually produces. Uh, you know, adjustments have been nice to watch, and uh, and the actual the actual players like it sounds really corny and it sounds really almost you know youth basketballish, but they end huddles with "I love basketball." You know, when they're when they're going out there before they go out on to, onto the court, they're saying "I love basketball" and. Like I said, it sounds corny as heck, but but if it's working, it's working, and they've really bought in. I mean, you you've seen it out there. Like it was it was a surprise to everybody out here. We kind of we, you know out here in L.A. We kind of just you know kind of anticipated. Okay, the Demar Derozan max contract thing was going to happen, right. and we get to watch you know the next generation of of Kobe like mid range shooter kind of player uh, <laughs> as as what's coming in. And because he and the rest of that Raptors group have really completely bought in, it didn't even seem like it crossed his mind really to come out here. And um, you know, as as you know, as no as annoying as that might have been for for fans out here in Los Angeles, it's kind of cool to to see players buy into the culture that their coach and the players have all laid out there. And this is what the Lakers are kind of building right now, where everybody has bought in completely. Somebody like Jordan Clarkson is a starter in the NBA, but he's coming off the bench and he's perfectly fine with it. He's out there saying he'd run through a wall for, for Luke. And, and yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing you can build on moving forward. Right. Um, I got to ask you about Lou Williams and not to dominate the conversation. You can ask me whatever you want, but of course. Lou Williams, I gotta, I gotta ask because he was here with the Raptors. He won six man of the year, but I like hated every second of the Lou Williams experience. <laughs> it was just like, over and over, the, the 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 Raptors like late game offense or like end of clock offense was Lou would jack a three from like thirty five feet away. I remember one time they were in Detroit and they played a game uh, right down to the wire, and I think they were down by one or two. And the play they drew up with like twenty seconds on the clock to try to tie the game was Lou shooting a three with his foot on the logo, and it was just like it it was nonstop the entire season, and it was so frustrating. <laughs> And he was awful on defense. Like him and Grievous Vasquez were one of the most comical pairings of defensive guards I've ever seen. <laughs> and now my favorite stat, I was just sort of researching going into this. And Lou Williams right now, the Lakers are 23.2 points better with him on the floor than when he's off. They're a plus 8.5 net rating with him on the court and a minus 14.7 with him off. And I just don't understand how that's happening. Like what's going on with Lou Williams? How has the Lou Williams LA experience been for you? So last year it was a lot of what you're talking about where yeah. you know there'd be 7 seconds on a, on the shot clock and either Kobe or Lou were going to we're going to shoot like I actually made a uh I I you know one of the, I made one photoshop where it's just Byron holding a clipboard and everybody's wiped off the court and it just says Kobe on it 
<laughs> and then when Kobe, you know, if he wasn't playing or whatever, I, you know, I kind of wrote a little note on a piece of paper that, that kind of, you know, it was a basketball court and it was Lou and then all the other guys were standing out in the corner. Uh, that That's kind of, and when you have to watch Lou play like that, yeah, it's, it's not fun to watch. It's kind of, you know, last year you took some, some almost, uh, super dark humor glee and watching him try to you know draw fouls that that you know <laughs> that was like the only positive thing from last year but this year what what luke has done for lou was he kind of empowered him and, and it's been a theme across the roster where luke empowered nick young and challenged him to be a better defender this year and nick young you know you could say better defender it's like saying it's it's warmer outside when i leave alaska you know <laughs> But but you know with with uh, Luke with uh, with Lou, he kind of said, "All right, um, we know that you can score. We know we you can create for yourself. We're going to put you in really simple pick and roll elements to, on offense. All you have to do is turn the corner and make a really simple read. And you know you only have one or two chances to choose from aside from shooting. And when Lou has that kind of opportunity, you know either you know a uh, a uh, pocket pass back to the roller or a kick out pass to the corner for a shooter when he only has those options in shooting he actually is pretty good at handling the ball there and that's what you're watching he's made great decisions so far because the decisions have been so easy to make and um and and again i i think he even at this point in his career and he's been in the league for way longer than i thought he's been he's in his dozenth year i think right he's in his 12th year even at this yeah. point in his career, he's you know he takes he takes solace. He enjoys being challenged the way Luke challenged him this year, and and it's it's shown. He's he's been a much better player than I've ever seen him in his in his career. I actually think he's better right now than he was when he won the Sixth Man of the Year award, which is kind of funny to me. I would agree with that too. Just in the in the bits I've watched him this season, it seems like he's like he seems a lot more within the offense I guess instead of just being the offense himself cuz that's kind of what happened. I mean, he won the Raptors some games that season. I remember there was one game in Cleveland where he scored like 35 and they ended up winning it, but like that the, the, it just, like you saw in the playoffs when they got swept by the Wizards like and he was just god awful in that series. Yeah. Um like it was only so sustainable, right? Cuz he was so based on free throws and so based on just like ridiculous shots that it was going to sort of peter out at some point. Right, the playoffs. He's not going to get the same calls, you know. That's just mm. not that's not going to happen. And yeah, when he's when you stop getting those calls for Lou, he becomes a a really easy player to guard because he's not very big, you know. Yeah. He, the, the reason Manu became such a great six man was because not only could he score, but he was extremely you know creative with his other players, uh, you know. And 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 uh, the fact that Lou was somehow able to add that to his game this point in his career is is beyond me i wanted to talk about the raptors though like yeah they uh i kind of feel like they're flying under the radar but they really shouldn't be you know is it is it a do you think it's purely a canadian thing is it is it purely you know this team hasn't changed that much over you know from last year to this year compared to other teams atop the eastern conference what do you think's going on there well yeah they're boring right like they're the same core they you know, even in the playoffs last season, like I don't think many people enjoyed watching the Raptors in the playoffs. That Heat series, I mean, I watched it firsthand, and it was like some unwatchable basketball. Like I could totally cop to that. It was terrible. I can confirm, um, I was not thrilled yeah. with that series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was bad stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
I think you know there were a lot of sexy additions made by a lot of the teams in the East. Obviously, Cleveland is what they are, but you know the Bulls made their weird sort of awkward pickups that you know are big in name, but I don't know so much about the fit. You had you know Charlotte kept Nick Batum, and they're just sort of like then Kemba Walker's playing crazy good basketball right now, and probably All Star level basketball. So that's been exciting for people in the early part of the season. Um, you know the Hawks got Dwight Howard. I'm not sure they're any better than they were last season. They might be worse, but. Yeah, the, the Raptors, it was very much the same. Their offseason was quiet. They signed Jared Sullinger, who hasn't even played for the team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, they're really coming into their own lately. I mean, they started 8-6, and six, but and there seemed to be a lot of sort of like, oh, the Raptors, yeah, they're falling back at the pack. But if you look at the schedule they played, it was maybe the most ridiculous stretch of schedule I've ever seen. Over the course of seven days, they played five games in five different cities. Uh, they played the Cavs, and then on the second night of a back-to-back, traveled back home to play the Warriors. And then they went on a trip. Their first game of the road trip, third game in four nights, was at altitude in Denver when they won uh, in overtime in a game where they looked like they were just exhausted. They lost that weird game to the Kings at the final buzzer with the Terrence Ross shot that went in but didn't count. Uh, and then they played the Clippers the next night at a back-to-back. Like, they had a horrible stretch of schedule there. And they came out, you know, 8-6. and six. They beat the Rockets on their on their road trip, closed out with the Bucs, ended up with a 3-2 and two road trip despite everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And now they're at home. They've won four in a row. You know, the last night against Memphis, you know, they turned the ball over a ton and, you know, just looked kind of sloppy, but their offense has been going on at this ridiculous pace. I mean, everyone's going crazy over the Warriors' offense, as they should be. They're the best offense we've ever seen so far uh, to this point in the season. And the Raptors only two points behind them in terms of points per 100 possessions. They're the second best offense in the league, mm-hmm. a point ahead of the, of the, actually two points ahead of the Cavs right now. Their offense is going on at this incredible pace and, you know, it's not sexy to watch by any means. Like, there's, I think they have the second lowest assist percentage in the league. They're like, you know, 22 percent lower than uh, than the Cavs. Sorry, than the Warriors, who obviously are like 71.2 as their assist percentage right now. It's crazy. Um, but like, they're, they're getting it done. And Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan are, are playing incredibly well. Derozan's averaging 29 a game, and it, I think it's kind of feeding into the offense now because teams are loading up so much on him. And he's really looking to defer more than he ever has. And he's like racking up assists lately and the rest of the team is hitting their threes. And it's just kind of a perfect storm of offense right now where just everyone's contributing, everyone's hitting their shots, and they're they're really, really hard to stop. And the defense has been an issue, but their offense has been, you know, I think you, you talk about how it's gone under the radar. Their offense is anything but under the radar in terms mm-hmm. of how they're playing. Yeah, I'm just not sure. Maybe they'll catch on once they, if they continue to play like this. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that they're kind of not being noticed, which I think you know they're kind of okay with. Well, yeah, I I the whole radar thing. I mean, you can ask us out here in Los Angeles. It's like impossible for the Lakers to go under the radar, uh, no matter <laughs> what's going on, you know. But I I do think uh, what I found interesting. So Demar Derozan starts the season absolutely bananas. Right. Yeah. And what you know, you always found you had people like, you know, asking, is this sustainable? It was never going to be sustainable for him to play the way he was playing earlier this year. But Mm -hmm. I kind of thought to myself, the next stage in that conversation is, okay, we know it's not sustainable. So what's the you know, how can what's the adjustment that can take place, you know, if and when the shooting falls off because it was going to. And the fact that the adjustment for for. DeRozan was well, I'll just pass more you know when defenses load up I'll just make the easy pass and let the team let the team make the plays they can mm-hmm. that's kind of like when when Kobe would go on stretches of you know he'd he just rack up assists you know numbers and people would get all frustrated because it's like well the Lakers are 
so much more efficient when he's racking up these assist numbers. But then you also think, well, if the defense isn't going to, you know, completely sell out to stop Kobe, you're now putting, you know, one of the best scorers ever on an island with a defender. You take that every day of the week. So it's nice Mm -hmm. that DeRozan kind of learned on the fly. Yeah, this is the obvious next step that I'm going to make. He made it, and and yeah, you can see it work wonders with the rest of the team, which is a really talented team. Like we've we've gone all this way talking about, you know, the the Raptors to this point, but Kyle Lowry is one, of, especially when he's in shape, is is one of my favorite point guards in the league, just because of yeah. his, you know, I'm I like an analytics as much as much as much as the end, uh, you know, the next guy, but his in, intangibles of like the way he holds himself on the court. It's really fun to watch him when he really feels confident out there because, you know, he completely believes he's a, you know, top three, if not best point guard candidate in the league. And when he feels that way, believes it and plays like that, that's when the Warriors become really, really good. That's why it was kind of unfortunate to watch whatever was going on for the stretch that it did go on in the playoffs last year. Um, Was that what was going on there? Did you? I know he, you know, his numbers kind of, you know, it, it dipped and then he kind of resuscitated himself. But is playoffs Kyle Lowry a thing? I it's, I struggle with this because he's gone into the last three playoffs with injuries, right? Like the mm-hmm. – uh, actually, not the not the Brooklyn series. I think the Brooklyn series he was fine. But the, the Wizards series, that whole season kind of got thrown out of whack because DeRozan got hurt early. He missed like 20 games. And Lowry took on such a load during that time that he really wore down by the time the playoffs came around. Mm-hmm. He had back things going on. He had leg things going on. Thunder fans last are season, freaking out right now. <laughs> if there's any <laughs> Thunder fans think, you know, thinking about guys taking on incredible loads, they can't yeah. feel that good. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so last season, he was fine all season. And what happened was, it was a game in like January. I think they were playing in London, actually, against Orlando. And Lowry fell on his elbow. And it you know, it started to fill up with whatever fluid fills up in an elbow. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of an ongoing thing that they couldn't really get rid of for the rest of the season. Um, they kind of, you know, towed the line that, you know, that rest wasn't going to help it. It was just sort of a thing that wasn't going away and they'd have to address it in the offseason. Um, so that was sort of the thing. And you saw some pictures. I'm not sure if they were photoshopped or not, but of the elbow looking at nice and swollen at, swollen at times during the playoffs. And yep. it definitely screwed with his shot. Like He definitely struggled in the last, you know, in April, um, in the last couple of weeks of the season and then into the playoffs. But then, you know, he kind of came around and, you know, he had some huge games against Miami, huge games against the Cavs and, the thing with Lowry, too, is that even when a shot isn't falling, he's still so effective on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Um, he's such a good passer. He's such he's so good at just sort of getting defenders out of position. He does the Steve Nash thing a lot where he just kind of dribbles through trees of defenders and, and then just kind of finds an open guy after discombobulating everybody. And then on defense, I mean, this so far this season, he's played some of the best defense I've ever seen from him. He's you know maybe a top two or three defensive point guard when he really locks in. Um, and the Raptors are, you know, he has the Lou Williams effect where they're a million times better with him on the floor than when he's off. Um, yeah, he has really deceptively long arms. When I watch, yeah. when I watch Kyle Lowry play defense, he just tends to bother people who, you know, you kind of in the NBA or when you play basketball as often as these guys play, there's this anticipation of if I'm this far away from somebody, they aren't going to affect my dribble. And he'll kind of poke the ball loose when they're at that kind of distance. And it, it you can see it throw off the guards that he's going against where it's like, wait, you shouldn't be able to – how are you touching the ball way out here? 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's yeah, that's that's kind of I, I enjoy watching him play defense because again, he just takes that attitude of yeah, I'm you're not as good as I am. I'm going to lock you down, or if I'm not going to lock you down, I'm going to make it a lot easier for the rest of my team to play good team defense and and uh the raptors kind of take that it, it kind of extends out to the rest of the the group out there mm-hmm. the other I, thing too with lowry is sorry to cut you off yeah, but ahead. just he he you mentioned that he's sort of the intangibles guy he's kind of a perfect mix of analytics and the eye test because if you look at last season and and i, I think certainly this season as well his shot chart is like is Daryl Morey's like wet dream essentially. It's uh, it's like it's all threes, it's all at the rim, and it's, it's a wonder that Morey ever traded the guy away, um, considering what he's doing right now. Um, he's he's been just he's hitting threes at like forty percent. He's been like on fire lately. Last night the Raptors against the Grizzlies or Wednesday night. Um, they they Lowry and DeRozan combined for like fifty three points on twenty two shots and like. That's just the kind of efficiency you're seeing from Lowry and DeRozan so far, and yeah, it's just it's nice having two guys who are that good and you know have won the Raptors single-handedly, like I don't know, three or four games already this season, just because those two are better than most people that they come up against. Do you uh, do the Raptors miss Biombo a bunch? They do because I mean I don't think they miss him as much as people thought they were going to mm-hmm. um, because. You know, he, he was good for spurts and, like, I don't know, he had, like, 35 really good regular season games and, like, 10 good playoff games. But there were a lot of games where he did nothing, and his lack of offensive utility really cut into the Raptors' offense and their effectiveness because teams could really load up to stop a guy like Lowry or DeRozan in the pick and roll and just kind of leave Biombo there. And then it was, like, a 50-50 proposition if he was going to catch the pass that was thrown to him and then, like, 50-50 for him to actually put it in. So the percentages definitely lied in favor of just, like, leaving Biombo alone and just making things harder for everyone else on the offense. Um, but, yeah, his rim protections, you know, it, it was a huge key last year. It was a really big luxury for the Raptors to have because, you know, not many teams have a backup center like that who could come in and change a game. It was such a different look from what Jonas Valanciunas brings. And, you know, now they're kind of rolling out uh, Lucas Noguera, who's had flashes, but also is so inconsistent, has a lot of foul trouble. And Jakob Pertl's a rookie. He's been kind of pleasantly surprising on defense. He's you know very fast for a guy of his size, and he is he, he's an incredibly smart defender already. It just seems like he's computer, just constantly learning things as he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's he's a rookie, right? So it's it's only so much you can expect from him. And yeah, I mean, I think once Sullinger gets back. You'll see a lot of him at the backup five. He's probably going to start at the four when he comes back, but you'll see him soak up a lot of backup center minutes. And I think that'll sort of stabilize things a little bit more. But, yeah, Biombo's definitely missed. Yeah, um, the, re- the reason I ask is because out here in L.A., so the two guys, you guys had two major free agent, you know, potential departures, right? It was DeRozan and it was Biombo. And Biombo became this, you know, internet sensation, especially out here in Los Angeles because the Lakers had so much money to spend. That you kind of thought to yourself, well, okay, they, they kind of need a rim protector. He made some sense. You know, he would seem to fit pretty well. Not great, but pretty well with Julius Randle. The spacing mm-hmm. would have been a disaster if they would have gotten, you know, if they would have been on the court together for very long. Uh, but I was I was never, I was never, you know, because they were talking about like Biz Max Biombo was, was, <laughs> was, was a thing out here. And, and uh I, I never really bought into him that much, and I was kind of interested, you know, with him leaving, if it was that kind of thing where was he a luxury that it was nice to have around, or was he a key cog that, that left? And 
the way Toronto has kind of hummed along this season, it would kind of lead me to believe he was the former. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, the Raptors couldn't have signed him anyway to mm-hmm. that kind of deal. I mean, Orlando gave him, what, $17.5 million a year. And just the Raptors didn't have the cap room to do that unless they wanted to let DeRozan walk. And there were actually some people who argued for letting DeRozan walk and signing Biombo. And those people are insane. <laughs> um, but, like, and so that that was a conversation a little bit. But, yeah, it was it just never really made sense. I think the Raptors might have a similar problem this year with Patrick Patterson, who currently makes a steal of a $6 million a year. Um, mm-hmm. He's definitely worth more than that with the way he plays defense and hits threes. Um, and I think it might just be a situation where he prices himself out of the range of the Raptors, which is too bad because he's so effective. But um, that's just kind of the, the, what happens when you have high-priced guys locked in. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to sign Lowry this offseason too, which I don't think will be a problem. I think they're going to get that done as quick as they got DeRozan done. But um, that's just kind of the reality, I guess. Like, guys who play well on good teams end up getting paid. Um, do the, do let the, me ask you... Oh, well, sorry, go I, ahead. Had, I had one last question. Do, do the yeah. Raptors... Because the other thing, too, that kind of feeds into why the interest might not be there with the Raptors, as one would think, is they don't necessarily have all the flexibility to, to make moves and add to their roster, right? So, like, I, I have this theory that people are more interested in the action, in, in the transaction than the actual action when it comes to sports mm-hmm. nowadays. And so because the Raptors are basic, you know, the same core that they had last year and don't look like they're able to add all that much, say, at the trade deadline, that people kind of get bored with whatever they might, you know, what they look like now. And you just kind of say like, okay, yeah, I'll see them in the playoffs because we know they're going to be there. Am I am I speaking out of my rear there or, or do you think the Raptors are able to make, you know, maybe one not major move, but a move to get ready for the playoffs? Well, I think they're definitely an interesting trade team. Um, you know, they don't have cap flexibility, so it all comes down to being able to match salaries. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to do anything in free agency this offseason with the Lowry situation and all that. But I do think they're an interesting trade team because Terrence Ross, his new deal kicked in this year. It's like $10 bucks a year. I think it only goes up from there. Mm-hmm. Jonas Valanciunas, I mean, he's not a perfect player, but him on $16 bucks a year is going to look like one of the best deals in the NBA considering how skilled he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they have the Sellinger. He's just like he's six million bucks for one year. So if they needed to throw him in to do something big, they could. The problem is there aren't many big names out there. I mean, no. the guy that people have been dreaming over for the last couple of years now is Paul Millsap. He would be such a perfect fit next to Lowry and DeRozan to play the four. Um, it would ju- it makes too much sense almost. But mm-hmm. you know, there's just no way the Hawks are going to do that the way they're playing right now. And, you know, if they if the bottom falls out, maybe that's something they look at. But it, and but it, I still those trades are so hard to pull off in season that um, like I'm not holding my breath over that at all. And then, you know, the other guy that comes up is Boogie Cousins and it'd be nice. And, you know, the Raptors have sort of the outline of, of a of a package they could offer, you know, the kind of one that's been thrown out. The Raptors have two first round picks this year. They have. Uh, their own, and they also have the Clippers, so not high picks by any means. They'll be, you know, probably bottom five in the first round, but um, they they do have those picks. They have Norm Powell, who has been just a wonderful surprise since he came in as a second round pick. Who, you know, a lot of people are clamoring for to play more minutes, but Terrence Ross is playing so well right now that it doesn't really make sense. And then you have Valanciunas's contract, which you could use to match if you're looking to uh, to trade with the Kings for Boogie. But even then, like that is like a low-end package that I think the Kings could find out there for Boogie. So that doesn't yeah. seem likely either. So yeah, it, it, it's hard. The Raptors definitely have the flexibility, and Masai Ujiri is the master of the waiting game. Um, 
But the thing is, like, everyone seems to want to point to this season as being, like, the, you know, go in or, or bust season, which I don't totally agree with. I think you sign Lowry. You have these, you know, good deals with Valanchunas and Ross and, and Corey Joseph's another one who his contract is really nice given what he is and you could be thrown into a deal down the road. So the Raptors do have trade ships that, you know, they could turn into something in the offseason or next season and still, you know, bring back a, a lot of the same guys to make a real run at it. And, you know, maybe with a year of LeBron getting older or whatever, or, uh, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But, like, if the Raptors don't go all in this season, I think that's fine. I think, you know, they make it to the second or third round again, and that's more than a success. You have young guys coming up on the back of the roster who are interesting and exciting and talented. And, you know, you just kind of run it back and, you know, just be patient. And there's no reason. Like, Lowry's got a couple more years left of what he is right now. He's 30 right now. He's got less miles on him than a lot of guys do at his age. And I still think there's one or two more years, you know, you know, considering, you, know, you granted they have to sign him, but uh, I think there's one or two more years beyond this one where the Raptors can kind of wait for to see, you know, and then put their chips all in when there's a better chance of, you know, making that splash that can get them above the hump with the Cavs. So they're in a weird holding pattern right now where there's definitely a lot of potential for something, but I just don't really see it happening. Yeah, I, I mean, to that point, and and we can move off of this point, but but yeah, I don't I, this whole idea of you know title or bust or whatever it might be, <laughs> it's it's so annoying. You know we have we have it about about as bad as anybody has it out here in L.A. Where it's like yeah. we're the Lakers, we play for championships, and it's like no no that's not how it works. Otherwise, yeah. you're upset. You know more <laughs> for <laughs> you know you have a one in thirty chance of of being happy at the end of a season and the Raptors have had a nice stretch you know even if they don't and I'm not saying they aren't going to win a title during this stretch but even if they don't like this has been a, a pretty fun era of basketball and it looks like it's going to be able to continue like you said for the next couple of years I, I don't see the point of you know you know tearing everything down for the hopes of you know this title or bust dream that more often than not, doesn't work out. Like the Lakers went title or bust when they traded for Dwight Howard and they traded for Steve Nash, and all that mm-hmm. led to was two of the you know most frustrating seasons in the history of the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, so so yeah. I, I would I would just say like to to Raptors fans out there, like enjoy this and enjoy this group. It's, it seems like a likable group. Enjoy it, everybody out there. I follow a few people out there, you know, on. Uh, a few Raptors fans, they seem to really enjoy this team. And, and yeah, you kind of go from there and take it as it does. Yeah, man, we're like three or four years removed from Ben Uzo getting a triple-double in the final game of the season and ruining the Raptors' lottery odds at getting Dame Lillard. <laughs> so, like, this is a... Uh... This is like this is really just a fun era to be a fan and to be just an observer of the team. Like it's it's entertaining. It's cool to have meaningful basketball, and yeah. that wasn't the case for a long time with the Raptors. And they're far off from the point of stagnation where it's like you know okay let's let's figure out something to do here because we've been on the treadmill for five years. Like they just had their first successful playoff run last season. Like we're yeah. five months removed from that. So. Give us some time to breathe. The Raptors are good. They're 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 talented. They're fun. They're young too. They're the second youngest team in the NBA. Like yeah. the core is older, but they're they're super young on the on the back end. And there's like a bridge to the future if this this uh, era doesn't work out. So yeah, everything's fine. Let me ask you quickly before mm-hmm. we let uh, wrap things up here um, about sort of the Lakers' bridge to the future, and that's Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I watch him, I, I can't get over how skinny he is. I feel like he's gonna snap <laughs> every time he gets bumped, but. He's yeah. always super skilled, and I guess this is sort of a two-part question. A, like, how, what are the early returns on Ingram? And B, 
is it at all disappointment that the Lakers are like gonna sort of play themselves because they owe the, the the Sixers their pick if it falls outside of the top three, correct? Yeah, so I guess yeah. so to start with Ingram, the early returns are he's not very polished on. Well, that's not really a good way to put it. He hasn't adjusted to the NBA speed quite yet offensively. Right. Where uh, he finds himself. I actually just talked about this on on the podcast yesterday, uh, but he finds himself over penetrating and taking one dribble too much because defenses in the NBA rotate so much faster than they do in college, you know, and so much faster than he did in high school only two years ago. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's something that, you know, he's, he's trying to get, you know, adjusted to, and he seems like he's able to, he, you know, he's a, he's a really smart kid. The big thing that he's been able to provide is defensively. He's been, everything as advertised and more you know you think of somebody you know usually you think somebody as skinny as he is is going to get bullied around you know trying to defend anybody but he does a pretty good job he's got a a, a nice lean muscle to him uh to get him through right now the the hope is that as his career goes along he continues to to thicken up a little bit but mm. as of right now like last night he played against Jimmy Butler who has been playing some of the best foot uh I'm watching football right now. He's been playing some of the best <laughs> some of the best basketball uh in the entire NBA. And he, you know, he holds Butler to 22 points on 18 shots and mm-hmm. um he bothered him throughout the game last last night. He played 41 minutes and that was by far more than any single player has played yet so far and and he played 41 minutes to match Jimmy Butler's 40 minutes. So he's not having the season that everybody's going to, you know, scream about uh, statistically because the the offensive stats just aren't there. But what he's been able to do on the defensive end, and it's kind of nice. Like, I kind of analogized it last night to the way the Spurs raised Kawhi Leonard, where Mm -hmm. it was, all right, we know that your offense isn't quite there right now. So just focus on the defense. Do everything that you know you're capable of doing defensively there. And as your offense comes along – will continue to give you more and more responsibility on that side of the ball. And that seems to have worked fairly well with Kawhi Leonard, you know, and uh, the hope is that, that, you know, the similar kind of strategy helps, you know, works here with, with Brandon Ingram. And if he's, you know, 80%, 90% of whatever Kawhi Leonard is right now and whatever Kawhi Leonard might be, that's a great number two overall pick. It just, you know, really speaks to the value the Spurs got with where they where they got, you know, where they traded for Kawhi Leonard back in back when they got him. Mm-hmm. So is it is there disappointment at all that the Lakers are looking like they're not going to get that first round pick this season? Is it sort of like a, you know, it's nice to see them playing this well, but are there, are there enough young guys in the house already that can form the future core, or are they kind of one guy short? Like I I go back and forth on that because I like a lot of the guys they have, mm-hmm. but I also see you know Julius Randle you know tops out as maybe like a like a third option kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Clarkson you know he's he's nice, but he, maybe he's just a perfect six man. Yeah. Um, like are they missing? one extra guy to put them over the top in terms of just having a, a great nucleus to build with or is what they're doing this season you know totally okay and you're in your set with what the what the what the core looks like it's going to be well i think what's important to note here so if 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 they only had the guys that they got at the top of the draft right if they only had d'angelo russell if they only had brandon ingram if they only had julius randall you would... I totally forgot about D'Angelo Russell. He's also very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's been hurt for a little while, so that's that's yeah. kind of. But they, if they only had those three guys, then you kind of say to yourself, 
yeah, it'd be nice to get one more pick at the top of this draft. But the Lakers have, you know, I'm not, it's kind of a combination of lucking into and finding talent. I, it's impossible to say which way that goes. But they found Larry Nance Jr. late in the draft. They found, they, they basically bought Jordan Clark, Clarkson off of the Washington Wizards, and he was at the 46th pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they, they swung and missed on Anthony Brown, which was kind of a bummer. Uh, who's now in New Orleans. And then they have this kid, Ivica Zubots, who I guess scouts were saying was a lottery talent. Teams just weren't ready for him to come over when he did. Um, I I watched him play in the Vegas Summer League. He looks like he's going to be at least pretty good. He actually, he seems to have a lot in common with with JV out there in Toronto. Um, But, uh, and and that might just be me taking like the easy way out and saying like, yeah, they're both big white guys who are skilled on offense, but, (laughs) (laughs) but that's neither here nor there. But, uh, you know, so I, there was a long way, a long winded way of me saying that it'd be nice to have one more piece there. It'd be nice to luck out in the lottery one more time and get that top, you know, top edge, uh, kind of talent that you can get. And this is a good talent or good draft to get it in. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's also nice that these kids are, are so, you know, if, if the kids started this year again and they were, instead of being 10 and 10, if they were, you know, three and 17, you know, which is where they kind of need to be to feel good about keeping that, uh, third overall pick or, or better, then you'd kind of say, uh, you'd start to wonder if this, the, the stink that losing puts on kids is ever going to go away. And, right. um, you know, Philly is going through right now where they have so many young guys who have been losing for so long. You wonder if they're if they're forming bad habits from just losing as much as they have, you know. And uh, and yeah, so you, you kind of again, long winded. But the Lakers this season, I, I'd take them being 10 and 10 and I'm, it sucks that they're going to, you know, probably lose the pick. But uh, I'm fine with it because it's been fun to just watch good basketball again. And, and at the end of the day, like I said earlier this is an entertainment industry, you know, Mm -hmm. and that asset would be great if you're actually in the business of building up the Lakers to be a title or bus contender. But I'm also, you know, I'm entertained by what I've been able to see night in, night out. And that should be mean something. For sure. Good basketball is good. Yes. Um. (laughs) Yeah. That's the title of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony, I want to thank you so much for joining me, man. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Let's let's do this again. Uh best of luck for you. The the Lakers play the Raptors tomorrow. I guess it's a uh a four thirty tip out, out here that gives it what it, are you guys on Eastern time out there? Or? Yeah, we're Eastern, yeah. Yeah, so, so 730, yeah. I'll I'll have to jump in in yours and Raptors HQ's mentions uh every so often to do a little bit of trolling. Yeah, uh, oh feel free. We we embrace the trolls. <laughs> Shout out to Bullets Forever. Still uh, on us for the sweep in the, in 15 16, or 14 15. So Just uh, just just tweet back at them how nice it is that the Lakers have Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much and we'll, we'll we'll definitely do this again. Absolutely. Have a good one. Cheers. All right, so that was my conversation with Sean Woodley, again, of Locked On Raptors and uh, Raptors HQ. A lot of fun content up there if you want to uh, keep up with with the team up north. Uh, Again, fun conversation there. It's always fun to just talk basketball with people. We've already had conversations with Fred Katz of Locked On Thunder. We've talked to Sean Hyken of Locked On Bulls. 
Uh, and then, you know, it, it's just, it's good now that the Lakers are becoming relevant again. It's always good to see what people around the league think about the team. So that was the purpose of this show and, and also to preview. Uh, well, no, we didn't do much previewing the game and, and the matchup uh, that was to come later tonight. But again, it's it's just about figuring out where the Lakers might be going. And, and from everybody that we've spoken to, uh, it's good to see that the consensus tends to be that the Lakers are going in a positive direction, uh, which, which at the end of the day is more than we could have asked for, or at least as much as we could have asked for heading into this year. Uh, again, make sure you're following the show on Audio, to, uh, Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Make sure you're using the promo code LOLakers to get your, uh, on SeatGeek and Mac Weldon to get your discount and rebate there. Uh, we will talk to everybody after this weekend. Have a great weekend and enjoy the game later tonight. I believe both Harrison and I will be on Twitter. He might be on Silver Screen and Rolls Twitter. I'll be on my own at Anthony Irwin LA and we will talk to everybody soon. Have a good one. Shouts to Elton Campbell.